We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. Time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Couldn't be better, thank you. Good. Don't like the humidity, but don't want to complain. Because Johnny said to me when I came in, Johnny Lucas Cadden, he said, (laughs) (laughs) he said, just think when it's gonna when it's the middle of January and the flurries are all around and it's dreary and and gray and flurrying and freezing and it takes fifteen blankets to get warm. I said, okay, John, thanks. You just <laughs> got it. Put it all in perspective. Yes. So anyway, but yeah, it's the weekend's supposed to be it's quite be, lovely. Yes, it's going to be very nice. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're going to take an extended weekend. What do you mean? Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <gasps> wow. Mm-hmm. Well, aren't you something special? Yeah. Well, How come? Well, you know, actually, I was going to give you a smart answer, but I'm not. Okay. Um, there was a, <laughs> give me a dumb answer. A dumb answer <laughs> is that um, I have a friend just coming from New Jersey who is going to do some work on uh, Friday afternoon at the lake. Okay. So we're going to do some marketing work. So he's coming up for that. And I said, well, we might as well go up there and stay there. Yep. So we're, I'm bringing the entourage with me. That would be my husband and the cats. Oh, the cats too. Okay. Yes, and take them up there. So that's what we're going to do. So it should be good. Yeah, it's supposed to be nice. Mm-hmm. So, good But I was going to tell you that I saw something on the, the news last night. I don't know if you happen to notice that. It was um, NBC about a woman who had uh, told her boss that she was going to take two days off for mental health day. And he applauded her for recognizing that she needed to do that. So I was going to say, okay, I need a mental health day tomorrow. So I have to call my boss. Yeah, you. Hello, look boss. At me and say, yeah. hi, hey, boss. I know, I know. <laughs> well, what was that for? I mean, who? I didn't hear that, but it, I like that. It was that. something about the woman has had issues with anxiety and depression. And I guess in her job, she was in an extremely stressful situation for an extended period of time and said that she wrote an email to her boss who was in another town and said that she was going to take two days off for mental health because she really needed it. Mm-hmm. And he responded that he acknowledged the fact that she knew enough to take care of herself. Yes, exactly. And therefore and that helps the company. Health is health. Yes. And he wanted her to go and do that so that she could come back fully present, which is the I way you it. look at it. Love so it. I was going to say that, but I thought that's silly. Yeah. But you're doing it anyway. I'm doing it. Yeah. Good. Good for you. So it should be a very nice weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yay! For a, for a chance, yes. Yeah, nice. So, so um, I told you that um, I was saying this. Did I tell you that um, we left my car open the other night and somebody was in my car? Yeah. Uh, in the 1500 block of Jefferson Avenue. Mm-hmm. And 
it's like the third time it's happened over the years. I mean, once it's happened to Meyer, twice to me. Really? And the first time they did it, they took change, which was in my console, and CDs. And this time it was my, just a like an envelope that I had some little, and I mean nickels, dimes, no quarters because I had used them. You know, and I don't even keep yeah. change really anymore because I use my card for meters. So I never, mm-hmm. get, you know, so nothing else was taken but that no cd nothing but meyer had moved the car and thought he locked it so i i didn't forget but he you know he and i'm and i'm just saying that i'm very cautious with that now for that because of that mm-hmm. so it's um it's but and then wasn't there something there was a else? pickup stolen from around the corner the same night um I don't know. And the same night, my when I went up on the porch, my chair was moved, which spooked me out. Because in the next day, I went in, and obviously there was someone in my car because the door wasn't closed all the way. So it was just really, you really feel so violated that somebody was sitting in your car, going on your property, and 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 it just infuriates me that people think they have the right to do this kind of stuff. I just, mm-hmm. I really, I, I I can't stand it. So. Um, but anyway, I found out the next day, I called the police and filed a report just so they knew, and that's how I know about the pickup, because they called me to say there was a pickup stolen during the night. But that this happens all over, where people come in cars, they drop these kids off, and they go around jiggling and trying to get a hand, see if your door's open, and they go in and try to get, and it's all to get money, and then they're up at Price Chopper, putting it in the change thing to get money back, is what they're doing, for whatever the reason. But... Okay. um Anyway, so it happened the same night. I'm like, who the hell is on my porch now? So the next night I'm sitting on my front porch and I'm looking over at my awnings and I said, oh, dear God, I know what happened. Meyer said, you're on it. I called Reeves because the rounded part of my porch has two pieces of flat fabric. They put the shorter one on the longer one and the longer one on the shorter one. And I kept forgetting to call them since they've been up in May that it was wrong. So the other day I called and they said, oh, my God, we'll be over to fix it. So that's who was on the. So the porch and the chair had nothing to do with with the car, but it was coincidental that it was the same time. So it was pretty spooky that because that that was spooky. But anyway, so. um just watch and lock your doors because you just never know where you are, what it is, and who's going to try. And my house is all lit. You know, my stuff on up my walkway, all around, everything, you know, plus my alarm. I mean, it's it's there. So I, you think what, and I have an alarm on my car, which automatically, but if it's not on, if it's not locked, your alarm's not on. So. Okay. That's what I happened. was going to ask that yeah, question. That's, right. Yes. Well, so. Maybe, yeah. Maybe they need to change that. Yeah, maybe. Well, how would they do that? I mean, you need to be going off every time anybody walks. Unless you had a key, they could do it where they, unless you have the key on you, it's not someone who should be going in your car. Right. I don't know. Maybe that'll be new Volvo technology. And including now that they're doing all, um, did you see that? All electric cars from 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Which means they're going to have to have a lot of places where you can plug plug in. in. I know. That's what I was thinking. I don't know where that's all going to be. Well, it was funny because the other night we were up at, um, we were at, went for a ride through um, for the day, the Petersons and Meyer and I, and we went, we stopped at this place called Cocoon, which is owned by, um, set, we stopped at Settlers Inn thinking we, we could have lunch, but they don't have lunch during the day. Mm-hmm. Lovely long, young woman who was the, one of the chefs came out and brought us iced tea. And it was, so we sat on the porch and she said, well, you could go here or here. So we stopped in Cocoon and outside of Cocoon in Holly, they have a Tesla 
plug in. They do? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was like, John's like, look at that. I'm like, oh my God, a Tesla plug in. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's where I had the book signing. Cocoon. At Cocoon? Yeah. Okay, well, it was lovely. Here it was go. very nice. Yeah, we had a good time. Nice. We had a lot of fun and um, for the day. It was a beautiful day. So, but, um, so that's where we were. Okay. When was this? It's Monday. We took the day and, oh. You had a mental health day. I had a mental health day. That's exactly right. <laughs> and it was nice because it was beautiful. It really it was, was a beautiful day. So we, and it was so nice to sit out on that back porch at Settlers Inn. And we looked at the space. I mean, we have to go up there and stay because it's so pretty. And then we went over to Ledges, uh-huh. which is, I didn't realize was the same, a uh, different part of the old castle because it's the same construction. And, right architecture mm-hmm. so that was cool so yeah what's really nice is i we have had friends who stayed in those rooms in ledges mm-hmm. and they're well, very unusual well ledges are very more modern looking whereas the settlers inn is so quaint and you just it, all i it was screaming to me winter and spending a weekend going nowhere with the fireplace on that one fire it was so neat but that room also had a little balcony too Mm-hmm. On the first floor, off mm-hmm. like off of where the bar area is, right. you go up a few steps and it was right there. Mm-hmm. It was really pretty. Yeah. So they have uh, some very unusual configurations for the rooms. Mm-hmm. They have um, spiral staircases. I saw the room. yeah at ledges. You mean yeah? yeah. And it's I, the friends we were there with came down in one spot and and they said we're not going back up. Yeah. And they had a yeah that's thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was not good. Yeah. So whatever. But the the other thing about uh, ledges that I don't like is the fact that it's really what they call a tapas bar. That whatever you order when you go to their restaurant at ledges, it's small, all these small portions, right, small plates is what little it means. tiny yeah. things. And if you don't like that, then then you can't get anything else. Right. So you have to order millions of them too. Exactly. If you're a if you're an eater who needs more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So the I, I love the the setting of it where it overlooks the that river water flow falls through. are beautiful mm-hmm. nice yeah. yep so that's what we did well that's good yeah we had fun it's good so and then of course you jam in boom 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 when you take those kind of days and you work for yourself you got to jam everything else into every other day so then the last couple days it has been back to back to back to back mm-hmm. you just but mm-hmm. you do it you know because yeah. you got to get away so that's it mm-hmm so speaking of getting away, um, I have a, this is an interesting question that I've never really talked about. And I think it's worth exploring even further. Uh, but this is, this is a guy named Glenn Rufinock, who is a writer for the Wall Street Journal. And he answers questions that people send in, in his uh, area about retirement. So this question was, I know you've written about moving in later life, but what about spouses who want to retire to different places? I say, I would like to relocate to a cooler climate, but my wife prefers someplace warmer. Needless to say, this is tricky. Any thoughts? And his answer was, well, this question hits uncomfortably close to home. So apparently Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He's, he's, he's had to deal with this. My wife, a retired teacher, would like to move at some point to a small beach community, but I'm reluctant to do so. I enjoy visiting the beach, but I prefer living as we do near a large city. There's simply more to do. So far, we have agreed to disagree. 
and I'm fortunate that my wife loves our current home and neighbors, but this issue isn't going away. Tricky is the right word. In talking with retirees through the years, we found that few issues are tougher to resolve than differences over where to live. Compromise is nice when it works, but the biggest risk here is dragging an unwilling spouse to a new location. One simple but often expensive solution is maintaining two homes and dividing your time between them. My wife and I have talked about getting a small place at the beach, very small. Barring that, the best advice is to begin discussing this question often and early, ideally several years before retiring. In her book, Retirement for Two, psychologist and author Marianne Vanderveld offers a series of questions about moving in later life that can help spouses iron out differences. Among them, do we want to stay put or shake things up for retirement living? If we decide to relocate, what factors are most important to each of us and how would we rank them? Examples, climate, cost of living, city versus country, a bigger house, a smaller place, proximity to family. Can we afford financially and emotionally to make a mistake where we live? That is a tough one Mm -hmm. because I've seen clients do that and really regret that they did it and they couldn't get out of the house what they put into it. Which of us feels most strongly about where we should live? What mechanisms, such as spending an out-of-season vacation in a desired location, will help us share the decision equally? Finally, if we don't agree, how will we fashion a compromise? I think that's a very, very important question. I just because there are cool. so many couples that, that are really are 180 but, yep. degrees apart, and it really it postpones retirement. They won't move because they don't know where they're going to. It creates a lot of angst and anger Mm -hmm. resentment yep so i like that idea which is something i've often said to people if you're thinking about moving go and rent a place first first in off season yeah and see how it is when you live there when all the people aren't there Uh and what services collapse right right and what's available right and then you can decide but i still think people should rent something where they want to go before they buy anything yeah because then you're not stuck right okay Oh, so um, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. We'll be back with uh, Dr. Kat Radke, who is here substituting for Dr. Nicole DeNova. And we'll be right back. It's Saturday morning with Laurie and Lynn. Now, back to Laurie and Lynn. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women. Available on Amazon.com. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And we have our second guest expert who is at this point filling in for our usual guest expert, would be Dr. Nicole DeNova from the Veterinary Referral and Emergency Center. Woohoo! So you got our, it right. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> so our substitute guest expert today, friend of hers, um, Dr. Catherine Cat Radke, who is an owner of the Abington Equine Hospital, and um, she and her husband, Dr. Brad Back, are um, new to the area. They've been here before as guests. 
and we're just going to do a little update and find out what's going on. So, welcome, Cat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's, this will be fun. And so, we have a visitor, too. We, yeah, might we do. Well I'm sorry. A big I have shout to out. acknowledge our visitor, who would be Mr. Tyler Beck. There hey, he is. Hi, hi Ty. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> He's here with his mom, so we are... He's in the house, him. as we He's said. in the house, and I said, I'm going to steal his dimples. They're so beautiful. He's so <laughs> cute. And Tyler, did I tell you that I love little boys? Yeah, she has two. I have two. They're not that little anymore, but I love them. So I'm glad you're here. <laughs> so he's your only cat, huh? He is my only. Okay. He's so cute. Oh, God. I miss those days. I really, he's going into second grade. So what? You you had two of them. I did, did the but I miss thing. it. I just miss okay. it. They're so lovable at that age, two okay. little boys. They love their mom, right? He's like yeah. a Klingon. Yep. See, that's the beauty of it. It's the it's truth. True. It is. It's true. true. Like yeah. boys cling to their mother when they're when they're little, and yes. then and girls more to their dad. I think mm-hmm. it's so weird. Uh, and I just want my kids to cling forever. So that's, oh. <laughs> that's how it goes. I, mean, I don't know. Every year he grows up and he changes. And a little, sure. That's how it every works. Every year I like it more. So there you I'm go. Okay that's good. So Yay. do we have a specific Specific topic we're talking Just about. We're so I want to ask. Okay, go ahead then. Up, update us. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, um, the Abington Equine Hospital is is coming along. We are um, since August. We've had the ambulatory section open, and that's what my husband runs. He's a general practitioner for horses. Um, I myself um, do the surgery portion, <laughs> and so. I am trying to put together the hospital and get that built. And we're just in the stages of um, squaring up some financing and things like that. And we should be looking to break ground soon. So it's a pretty exciting time. It's great. And um, things are starting to come together. How <laughs> much has, how much um, exposure have you and uh, Brad had to the area that people know that you're here? What has happened in the last... Now, was it August when you were here? No, June or July of last year, I think, when you were here. He knows July. How about him? The peanut gallery answers. <laughs> I love it. He chimes in. Oh, okay. July oh, 1st. Okay. That's true, because it was Canada Day. Okay. I came from Canada on Canada Day. Uh-huh. Okay. So, I mean, we've had a fair amount, but you never know if you're reaching all the right people. Um Obviously, I've been on this show a few times. I've run several ads in local horse magazines and things like that. Um, I haven't really done any TV spots or anything like that because I just I have such a certain demographic that I need to reach. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we've been doing recently are the boosted Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you put in keywords such as horse or riding or eventing or show jumping or things like that. And so then if people have that on their Facebook as their interest then this ad pops up to them. Mm-hmm. And so we've been trying to do ads that are um, kind of pertinent to the time of year. We did one about um, new foals and breeding, things uh-huh. like that in the early spring. Um, and now we're in the middle of show season. So we just did one about um, behavioral issues and how they, how they can sometimes be linked to lameness when people don't even realize it. So um, just kind of... Um, but um, Dr. Back has been out doing a lot with the mobile yes. ambulatory. The ambulatory portion is portion. Busy. Yeah, so yep. that's been significantly more so than what it was a year ago. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. that, I mean, that's good. But how are people finding out about what it is that you do? Do you know, are you... It's a lot said, of word of mouth. Yeah, we and are, you're also out there, you know, banging on the doors you of the do. barns. You do, and I mean, you, you speak to people and things like that, but in all honesty, it it really takes... 
um, someone hearing from one of their trusted friends, friends that, or trainers right. or, or colleagues um, for them to give you a try. And fair enough. I mean, I don't like change either, you know. Do horses, do owners of horses have, can they get insurance for the horses? Yes. yes. Yep. So when, right, when they're, and tell me a little bit, because I find this fascinating. I love horses. I'm going to do my rendition very soon, but, and we've done <laughs> it before. But Kat, tell me, how do horses only have one child, one baby at a time, or could they have more than one? They they can have twins like super rarely, but usually we actually do what we call pinching one off oh. um, because it's pretty dangerous for them to try to have two. Okay. Usually they lose them both oh. is what happens. So they're not really set up to have twins. Um, that's that's really my husband's interest is the repro end of things. He loves that. So um, he's always checking for twins, making sure they have them. And how, <laughs> what's the gestational period for a, 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 a horse? It is just shy of a year. Really? Mm -hmm. oh yeah, so they God. have one full year usually. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oof, that's a long time. No, and how much do they usually weigh? I know it can vary, but what's the average? Oh, 70, 80 oh, pounds, something like that. Wow. It depends what breed. It really does depend what breed. Right. Like a draft horse is going to be a lot, a lot bigger. bigger. And so, a mini horse is going to be really tiny. So just, but, are the, but are the moms then, when they're pregnant with the with the, the baby, are they physically as act? Like how, because that's such a big, right. you know, a child to be carrying. What, what do you see them get? Does their temperament, does their, their ability to move get lessened as it gets older? Or, or as they go along further? You know, no? they do get to resemble a Mac truck. Yeah, I could imagine. Did, as did I in as late did A lot of us. <laughs> um, I look like the broad side of a barn. Yes. That's sort of a different That's weird, story. too, because you had a boy. They're usually that right yeah, up front. Kind of no, thing. Yeah. I think my body looks for any excuse to turn into a house. Yeah, uh -huh, okay. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Hormones. Horses, um, yeah, they, they get a lot bigger, and, and it does slow them down towards the end a little bit. I mean, they'll still go out and canter around the field a bit, but... You know, you can tell so towards the end, they kind of look a little miserable, just like you or yeah, I Everyone else, exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when the horses, so now, do you find that this area, because we are so close, I mean, a lot of times if I'm out for my rides with Meyer and I are always out bopping around and we're so used to like, I live in, in Dunmore, we're right off, of, right next, you know, I'm a block and a half off, off the Scranton border. So I need convenience. So when we're out, you think, wow, here we live in this wonderful, quick, you know, place to get places from where I am. But you go, you know, 20 miles or 15 miles out and you're in this beautiful countryside right. um, with so many working farms and, and homes and people who just love horses and who their children or they ride. It seems like there's a lot of horses around here that people don't necessarily know about. And those are the people then, obviously, who need to know that your husband, who's a general what he's practitioner in, yeah. in uh, specifically for equine and your what you do as a surgeon. I mean, doesn't that must be very intriguing for people to know? Hey, we're we have this right here now, and it's going to be better for us right. than to have to go. Where was it? Cornell or yeah. Philly yeah. or somewhere? They if, went to Cornell, or they go down to um, Mid Atlantic in New Jersey. Okay, so they're they're usually leaving the state. And when I came here, I, I initially thought they would go to. Uh, Penn, the new Bolton Center. Right, right. But the way the roads are set up, that's actually longer than leaving the state. Okay. So so um, they go to Cornell, they would go then there. So um, you, you, Yeah, about 50-50 Cornell and, and down in New, New Jersey. Jersey. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a enormous sense of comfort for them that even if they don't need you, you know, at that moment, were they to need you, you would You're be there. there. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's just a 
security net. Yeah, I, there's just so many horses horses around. I love it. I know you've done a lot of research when you're putting together the business plan for the both the ambulatory and the surgery uh, concept in what you're calling the equine hospital. So I'm, I was shocked at how many horse lovers, I guess you would call them, or, and, and horse owners there are in all of northeastern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have that number off the top of your head, but I know that there was a significantly greater number it than I It was significant. Thought. It worked out to... I'm kick myself later when I check this and find out it's wrong. But I want to say it was like five or six per square mile. So no matter where you were. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, Pennsylvania is the ninth horsiest. That's my favorite word. Ninth horsiest horsiest? state in the U.S. I thought there was a word. Yeah. Yeah. That is neat. So, so we're, we're right up there. And, um, and you're right. I think it's a lot because there is so much um, land that's not yeah. necessarily a big city. Do so. Do um, I lost my I, my last, oh with the fact that the, now that you're it's a little bit m- removed but the, like Pocono Downs like what happens when you have like harness racing and the horses here and there's something that happens I mean obviously they're owned by people they live in different states whatever but does that is that something that comes into play for you too with with business Yeah, it definitely does. I mean we will be a security net for that facility as well. They won't have to go as far when they do have an emergency situation, um, such as colic or God forbid, some sort of fracture. Um, so, I mean, that community as well, will be able to support a bit better. And I'm thinking po- um, Mohegan is what, did exactly. I say that? What did I say? Po- Pocono. 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 I know it's the same That's thing, but I, yeah. I, that, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love, but you have gone there and they know about you. Yeah, we've gone there. We've posted some of our things. Um, we've spoken to the people and things like that. For now, um, we can't offer them too much different than what they have. So I think yeah. until we have the building and the surgical capabilities, um, you know, they're going to have to keep shipping mm-hmm. because I can't cut a colic in the field. There's certain surgeries I can do standing in the field, enucleation, um, which is taking an eye out. You know, there's certain things you can do standing. Mm-hmm. Just like that horse who was in the, the Kentucky Derby. He had the one eye, right? The patch. Wasn't that his name? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, they do pretty well with one eye, actually. Do they? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, they do pretty well. And what, th- th- is that usually disease or injury that, that Um, uh, It can be either. A lot of times it's squamous cell carcinoma or oh, variety okay. of cancer. Cancer, yeah. Um, but it can, it can be injury to the eye as well. Um, Ugh. Woo! So when do you think this might, you might, do you have a, a, a time for grand opening yet? Oh, we need a building first. Well, <laughs> no, I know, but in your mind, where, do, you, do you think it's going to? Next spring, Spring, right? Yeah, say. spring, huh? Spring okay. of so next year. Yeah. All righty. Mm-hmm. So, Kat, if anyone needs you or your husband, how do they get in touch with you? And Tyler's not available. Yeah. Oh, Tyler's <laughs> always available. Sometimes he comes with us. It's like your added bonus. Um, so our clinic line is 570-904-8800. We're also on Facebook, um, Abington Equine. And we have a website, which is abingtonequine.com. So there's all kinds of information available out there, but feel free to um, send us an email. There's a contact us page on the, on the website that works well. And otherwise, just give us a call. We can chat about whatever you want. And more to come. Mm-hmm. And more. We also want to thank Dr. Nicole DeNova for, for giving up this space. Absolutely. Cat. So thank you. All mm-hmm. right. We'll be uh, 
right back with Dr. Barbara Plucknett. We'll be, you're listening to Laurie and Lynn Show. It's Saturday morning with Laurie and Lynn. Now, back to Laurie and Lynn. Everybody, we're back. My name is Lynn Evans. I'm the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women, available on Amazon.com. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And our guest expert today is Dr. Barbara Plucknett, who is the owner of Advanced Gynecology in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. And she has a wonderful topic for us to talk about this afternoon, this morning. Sorry. Absolutely. Uh, Take it away, Dr. Barbara. So I thought we should talk about thyroid disease. Um, It's a very common phenomenon in my practice. I, I see a lot of women that are frustrated with do I or don't I have thyroid disease? Um, it's a, sometimes a little bit of a tricky um, entity to diagnose um, and treat. And so I thought we should take a little tour down thyroid road today. Um, so I specifically want to talk about Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is a word that some people have heard about and others uh, maybe not so familiar with. But Hashimoto's, uh, the gentleman who uh, you know, diagnosed the, the condition, thyroiditis is an inflammation of the thyroid um, and it's very, very um, common um, and it's one of the most common autoimmune and we talk about autoimmune being that the body is fighting off its, um, itself in different ways and of course in the case of thyroid disease it's fighting off thi- its own thyroid and it's thought that um, this disease actually can affect anywhere from 13 to 38 percent of people in the general population um, and just as an FYI synthetic hormone use um, was on the national drug bestseller list for the last three years so thyroid disease is prominent but I think thyroiditis is more so and I think that you know we know that conservative estimates um, state that one in five women will be affected with Hashimoto's disease at some point in their lifetime. So that, that's quite a large number of people. Mm-hmm. And the problem is people feel sluggish or something's not right and they have all of these crazy symptoms, but nothing is specific enough to elicit um, you know, treatment for that pro- process. And, and one of the reasons is that the testing may not uh, in the early stages be abnormal. So a lot of the thyroid symptoms, which I'm sure we, we could think of, would be fatigue, hair loss, cold intolerance, inability to lose weight, mental things as such as sadness and depression or forgetfulness, acne, puffy face or puffy eyes. We see a lot of people with puffy eyes. Um, nervousness, anxiety, trouble sleeping, nausea, dizziness. We talk about vertigo, uh, you know, when um, their people are dizzy. But you can see that all these symptoms aren't necessarily those that we would classically look at as thyroid symptoms, but they can certainly be related to your thyroid. And so the idea behind this itis, this inflammation, this autoimmune process, is that the body um, says that something in your immune system says your thyroid is a foreign invader and it's trying to attack it. 
And it mm-hmm. comes through this process uh, either with our leaky gut, which we've talked about, you know, ad nauseum. Yeah. Um, but it, the immune system attacks your thyroid and it eventually um, becomes inefficient and doesn't work. And so there's thought to be um, different levels of disease. Um, and the early levels are really not detected as easily with labs. Um, and so, therefore, somebody might be told that they really don't have thyroid disease. And so the other thing that I want to make sure that we understand is that there is a huge genetic component. It tends to run in families, as do autoimmune diseases in in particular. So if you have an autoimmune disease, um, you may have one autoimmune disease, but your family member may have another. And so because autoimmune diseases, number one, tend to run in families, and number two, um, specifically thyroid, um, is much higher risk in women, um, you really should have those things looked at um, before you become symptomatic. So the idea is that there's five stages of disease. Um, stage one is that people have a genetic predisposition, but they really don't have any manifestations of the disease. Um, and so that this is when things are just starting. Um, you know, the, the disease is ever present in the system, but we haven't encountered a trigger or something that has pushed us over that edge. And that is a very important theory when it comes to autoimmune diseases. Um, it, you may have the genetic predisposition to have a particular disease, um, but there are triggers that will push you into that um, um, condition itself. And the environment um, can be one of those. And we talk a lot about environmental things, and I'm a huge diet person, and diet certainly comes into play when it comes to um, this type of things. So you have genes that make you susceptible, you have triggers in your environment, and then your gut becomes leaky. And it requires all three of those processes to push you over the edge into thyroid disease, or especially Hashimoto's disease. So stage one is a predisposition. Stage two, um, that's when your autoimmune system is just starting to attack your thyroid gland. And that said, you may be highly symptomatic because your thyroid is under attack, but your labs may be normal. And that's a very frustrating stage of the disease because people go to their physician thinking they know it's their thyroid, they know it can't be something that's normal, and they're told that there's nothing wrong with their labs. And so we need to remember that we have to listen to the patient first. While labs are exceedingly important in, in making sure people stay safe, you have to look and listen to the, at the patient. At, at stage three, now we're starting to see the thyroid gland not function as well. And so this is called subclinical hypothyroidism, where the three levels, the three labs that we look at, um, TSH, free T3, and free T4, which are most commonly looked at, The TSH is the brain's monitoring hormone of the thyroid gland. The T3 and the T4, the actual hormone coming out of the thyroid. And so the TSH may just be able to show that it's slightly elevated. um, And you may not see those differences in the T3 and the T4 levels. I think what makes a difference in the general looking at thyroid and, and making sure you don't have Hashimoto's is the presence or absence of antibodies. And so... An antibody is the the sign that the immune system has um, started to mount a defense. And so you'll see the start to show up in the blood. And there's two different antibodies that we look at. We look at the thyroid peroxidase antibodies, and then then we look at the thyroglobulin antibodies. And these can be ordered um, specifically by your physician, but usually only when asked to be done so. Not everybody will look at a thyroid antibody. Um, And more specifically, they probably don't want to look at thyroid antibodies if the TSH is normal. 
because they feel as though they shouldn't have to do that. The idea at stage four when, um, you know, Hashimoto's is truly involving the thyroid gland, now you're truly getting abnormalities of your labs. Um, so it's, it's at this point where if you catch it early enough um, or on, in the stage four, you have the ability to reverse the disease. Um, but if you let it progress to stage five where the thyroid is depleted and now you're having secondary autoimmune diseases, it is not likely that your thyroid de- disease will be able to be um, re- uh, turned around and um, completed back to its normal stage. So the idea here is to identify symptoms early, test early, and then try to initiate therapies that could reverse the process. Um, one of the things that um, you know we look at with the thyroid is the um, the, the range of TSH. Um, TSH, when it originally was uh, looked at, um, that testing actually brought in people that were um, of great age ranges, and so it included elderly people when they first developed the norm for TSH. Um, it also included people that had um, compromised thyroid function so that the range is felt to be what they say overly lax it's too broad we can't use the range for tsh to let us know whether our thyroid is correct or not um, and now the and they're trying to bring this new range into a, a place where it's more reasonable so the national academy of clinical biochemistry um, states that the tsh should be below 2.5 um, and the American College of, of Clinical Endocrinologists actually want to see that TSH range somewhere between 0.3 and 3, as opposed to where it is now, which is 0.5 to 4.5. So uh-huh. I like to see my TSH numbers at least less than 2.5. I always tell people closer to 1 is better. That means you're having better control of your thyroid studies. Um, T3 and T4 also need to be monitored because you can have these aberrancies of the labs where, you know, your your immune system is, is playing games with your thyroid so that your labs haven't read the lab manual. They don't look exactly like you think they're supposed to. Um, but that's at, that's at the point where you look at the patient and you say, okay, tell me how you're feeling. Because if your labs don't follow my guideline, that doesn't mean that your thyroid is not being inefficient um, and doesn't need more support. So I think it's important that we we think about thyroid symptoms. I think it's important that we ask our physicians to help us if we feel that we're symptomatic and we're we're having all of these other things. You know, as I said, the list of thyroid symptoms is lengthy um, and it involves the, the turnaround. The treatment for thyroid is not as simple as here's your pill. You know, if we think about the causes of autoimmune disease in general, we get this ramped up immune system because of our leaky gut. We, you know, our gut um, doesn't allow for the food to stay within its canal. It allows for particles to slip outside of the canal of the gut, and that's when the immune system starts to attack. And so if we think about proper eating, um, you, you, everybody knows the first thing on my list is to be gluten-free um, because that's where a lot of the inflammation comes from, dairy-free, soy-free, corn, eggs, sugar, peanuts. Those are my highly inflammatory foods. They are very much um, appropriate for this disease um, and very much need to be eliminated as we work through um, trying to get the thyroid under control. So, go ahead. I was just going to say, Barbara, what's the difference between underactive thyroid, overactive thyroid, and Hashimoto's thyroiditis? Great question. So, hyperthyroid is overactive. That means you have too much thyroid um, material being produced by your thyroid gland. So we talk about T4 and T3. Those levels would be too high. And what Hypo, does that look like? I mean, to someone um, that who is has the, that. Sure. That's the overanxious or the overactive anxious, thin as a rail, 
um, sweaty yeah. person that's just like they're they're just have too much caffeine in their system all the time. Mm-hmm. They are revved. Their metabolism is going at, you know, 150 miles an hour all the time. And that is counter opposite to the hypo or the low thyroid where we don't have enough T3 and enough T4, which makes us incredibly sluggish. And so people are cold. They have weight gain. They're slow. They're tired. You can have hair loss actually with either one. Um, they feel like they just, their metabolism has gone out the window. They really can't get it back on track. Mm-hmm. And Hashimoto's falls initially in between. So at the initial onset of a Hashimoto's um, infection or inflammation, you might see an excessive release of the thyroid hormone from the thyroid gland. And so they may initially present as the overactive or hyper scenario. But as that process continues, the thyroid gland becomes so underactive and so deficient that it no longer makes enough thyroid and they become hypo. So the vast majority of people that have Hashimoto's thyroiditis end up being hypo or low thyroid people so that they have the the more sluggish, tired, cold picture than they have the wired picture. Well, if the lab work doesn't adequately uh, support the diagnosis of any of this, then how would someone or why would someone even know to get this checked? So the the regular lab work, um, that TSH, T3, and T4 may or may not be helpful, um, but it's when you check the antibodies, the thyroid peroxidase antibodies and the thyroid globulin antibodies, if those light up as being positive, then you know your autoimmune process has started and that's, put, that's what puts you in the category of Hashimoto's. And so, you know, that's where we sometimes have to look a little bit deeper to find out why someone may have the symptoms that they have if our initial survey of their thyroid labs appear to be normal. Okay. All right. So it's delving, so, it's delving deeper into the, into taking a closer look at the antibodies than just the overall thyroid um, workup. Yes, indeed. And I actually okay. put thyroid antibodies as my workup almost always um, because you know, we don't want to miss the autoimmune process. We know that when you have one autoimmune process, you're at risk for another autoimmune process. And the earlier we can catch these things, the better the chance that we can get them under control. So it's really important for us to try to identify these things. And there's so much thyroid disease out there. And there's so many people with thyroid symptoms um, that you need to make the diagnosis. Is it or is it not that? Um, and mm-hmm. I think that it, it warrants at least a discussion with your provider to say, hey, you know, do I have this or is this something we should think about? And can we run these labs? Is that appropriate for me? Okay. Um, uh, Dr. Plucknet, please tell everybody how they can reach you. So our office is located across from Regional Hospital in Scranton. Our phone number is 570-344-9997. We also are online at drbarbaraplucknet.com. New patient paperwork is available online. You can read a little bit about us there as well, uh, but we would certainly love to uh, visit with you and see if these are some of the things that we can help you with. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, everyone, for listening once again. We'll see you here next week. Please have a good weekend. Be safe and please be nice. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.